This podcast episode discusses topics relating to sexual assault that may be triggering for some listeners. On today's episode, what is being done to combat sexual assault in Greek life? Then, why should students fill out student feedback forms? From the Temple News, I'm Olivia Hall, and this is Reprint. Temple University's Panhellenic Council has created a list of demands for Greek life on campus. The council, which oversees six sorority chapters at Temple, is trying to curb sexual assault and prohibiting fraternities and sororities from interacting until all demands are met. The Interfraternity Council implemented a social moratorium banning fraternities from partying and requiring them to complete sexual assault training. However, only 50% of each chapter was required to complete the training, and fraternities continued to host parties, leaving Temple's Pi Lamba Phi chapter on probation for fall 2022 and prohibited from social events until May. The Interfraternity Council's new president, Dylan Hollywood, wrote, We intend to continue communicating with Panhel to work towards making a positive difference within the Greek life community. I'm here with Fallon Roth, news editor for the Temple News, here to talk about what's next. Hello again, Fallon. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Olivia. Thank you. So to start, as always, what was your reporting process for this story? Yeah, so I'm going to start back at the very beginning. Um, It was either the day before or the night of our last print edition, and I was scrolling through Instagram, and I came across um, someone's Instagram story, and they reposted Temple Panhellenic's list of demands. Um, It's a list of about six demands, and there's like some sub bullets in like some of the demands. And my first thought was, I had never seen anything like this before, um, specifically with, you know, temple Greek life. Um, And my thought was, wow, this is different. This is new. This is something that I had not seen before. So um, I sent a DM right to the temple Panhellenic Instagram. And the next day or the day after, I um, was able to talk with Michaela in her office, and Michaela is the Temple Panhellenic president. And from there, it kind of um, spiraled. I started talking to to person after person, people that gave Temple Panhellenic um, their support. Um, I talked to the Interfraternity Council. However, that was the probably most difficult source to get. Um, We mentioned three different IFC presidents in the story, and only one of them um, was able to to sit down for a a Zoom interview with me. Um, The others, a former president and the uh, current president um, de- declined to sit down for an interview with me. The only one that did was uh, Matthew Davies, who was the most recent former president. There's been a lot of leadership changes. Um, so let's go into the story. So a little background. What is the Panhellenic Council and what do they do? Yeah, so the the Panhellenic Council um oversees six sorority chapters at Temple University. Um, 
there is, of course, like above, you know, Temple Panhellenic, there's also like the national like Panhellenic. Um, but that is, you know, essentially their, their role. What are the demands that they are making specifically? So the, the most important thing to note is that all of these are aimed at targeting sexual assault culture on um, campus Greek life, which is, um, you know, something that is definitely, you know, a, a pervasive and, and systemic issue um, in, in, in Greek life culture. Um, kind of just to, to summarize the, their demands, um, the, the three major bullet points is social events and risk management, training and education, and publishing like a health and safety plan. Um, the one to me that seemed like got that got the biggest traction between Panhellenic and at least Matthew Davies, the one of the former IFC presidents, um, was requiring 100% of IFC chapters to participate in sexual assault training. Previously, this this academic year, there was a social moratorium where fraternities were supposed to like stop having, you know, parties or or events, um, and participate and have fifty percent of their chapters, fifty percent of each of their chapters um, participate in sexual assault training, and Michaela and uh, Penalanic leadership was like, that's not enough, so we're gonna we want to do a hundred. Um, so to me, I guess that's the one that seemed like it's got the most uh, traction. And also, I, I think the published health and safety plans as well. So what is Temple doing slash what the, can they do to regulate fraternities and prevent sexual assault in Greek life? Yes. So this is where it gets kind of interesting. Um, Greek life, you know, fraternities, for example, are looked at as any other student organization on campus. Um, so, for example, in terms of penalizing a fraternity or <clears throat> suspending a fraternity or you know kicking a fraternity off campus, just just like any other student organization, there has to be some type of violation of the student conduct code. And that, and also the fact that Temple themselves can't say, yes, all fraternities must do, 100% of fraternities must do sexual assault training, because then they would have to require that for all student organizations as well. So Greek life fraternities, they're on the same level as other student organizations, um, which is kind of interesting to me, but that's not to say that Temple is you know, totally not doing anything at all. There are resources that Temple provides. There is like mandatory online training and there's orientation where there are like sexual assault prevention and awareness programs and education programs. Um, and, you know, there's resources in, in Tuttleman and, and the Wellness Resource Center. So it's not like there's nothing offered at Temple, but in terms of policy and like violating policy greek life and fraternities are looked at as like any other student organization and kind of going off of our resources how can someone a student anyone report an instance of sexual assault so there's two different types of ways um through 
Temple's process at least. Um, there's filing an informal complaint and a formal complaint. An informal complaint is essentially not going to trigger a Title IX investigation or, or a university investigation. Um, an informal complaint just puts the incident on file, on record in, in the Title IX office. So that's kind of the extent of that. A formal complaint is a student showing that they want an invest, a formal investigation to take place. Um, that does not necessarily involve the police. Title IX can assist you in like filing a police report um, if you choose to do so, or if a student chooses to do so. But that is not like part of like the formal um, process. So what are some other resources that are available to students? Yeah, so outside and outside of campus, um, there's tons of resources in the city as well. Um, one in particular that we mentioned in the story is the Philadelphia Center for Sexual Violence um, from, from WAR, um, W-O-A-R. And, you know, besides them, there's tons of other resources as well. Um, North Central Victim Services and Temple, I think, has actually compiled a list of resources that, that can be found outside of, of main campus. And lastly, what is your biggest takeaway from writing this story? Yeah, I think I have, I have two major takeaways. Um, the first one is something that wasn't included in the story, but I found pretty interesting is that, um, so for example, we report in the story that during that social moratorium, uh, Temple's chapter of uh, Pilot M. Defy um, violated that moratorium by holding a party when, when they weren't supposed to. And what's interesting to me is that IFC, um, Temple's chapter of IFC has their own judicial board so consequences and like punishment for that type of stuff comes from within, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. And that was something that we didn't include in the story, but I think it's also important to note just in terms of seeing how fraternities do get their punishments in certain circumstances. Um, the other takeaway, for me was how incredibly difficult it is for survivors to report an assault. Um, just sorting through these documents and talking to people, it's an incredibly bureaucratic system and going through all of these layers. And you know, if I file a formal complaint, it can't be anonymous. And do I want everyone to know my identity? Do I want everyone to know that I went through this and at this party or with this person, do I wanna put my entire identity out there? And, or if I file an informal complaint, it'll just be on record and it can be anonymous, but unless I like go to the police, nothing really can come out of it. Um, and just knowing that there is so much emotional 
there's so much emotional trauma that comes from that experience. And then having to navigate a system that is not always favorable to victims or survivors um, is really a shame. And um, that is something that I found to be incredibly pertinent throughout reporting this entire story. And not to mention the system, but also the mental consequences that come from that as well. You know, feeling that you won't be believed, feeling that your experience wasn't real or that you misunderstood it. Um, and there's just, there's so many barriers that survivors have to overcome while navigating this incredibly confusing um, system and, and infrastructure that we have for reporting these instances. Yeah, well said. Um, thank you so much for talking about this topic with me. And yeah, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me and for, for letting me talk about this story. Let's take a look at why students should fill out feedback forms. Near the end of every semester, Temple students are given the opportunity to fill out feedback forms for each of their classes to voice their opinions about the course. The goal of the forms is to inform professors, teaching assistants, and the university about the class's strengths and ways it could be improved. Feedback professors receive might push them to change aspects of the course, which would benefit future students. I'm here with Julia Marola, co-opinion editor for the Temple News, here to argue why students should complete these forms truthfully and professionally. Hello, Julia. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Olivia. Yeah, so what inspired you to write this column? Yeah, so I am a student who fills out my student feedback forms um, every semester at the end of the year. And I just think that, you know, there's a lot of benefits for students, like in addition to prof uh, in addition to benefits for professors that a lot of students don't realize or don't know about. So let's talk about the student feedback form. What is it and what type of prompts does it ask? Yeah, so basically a student feedback form, like I said, comes out at the end of the semester and it asks students questions about um, how well their professors helped them outside of class, what helped or hindered their learning. So they have some scale re response questions and some open-ended questions as well. So you say that you argue that students should fill out these student feedback forms. Can you go more in depth of why they should? Yeah, so basically the student feedback forms, because they're anonymous, they give students an anonymous space to file things that they may have disliked about the class or things that they didn't think helped their learning. And a lot of students don't really feel comfortable talking about that outside of class, like with their professors or with other students. So really having that anonymous space, like taking advantage of that, that's why they should be filling them out. Mm -hmm. And in the column, you bring up that students should fill these out professionally. What does what do you mean by professionally? Yeah, so when I spoke with a lot of professors, um, there was a consensus that there are students who fill them out in more of like a rude manner, almost with harassment towards professors. And so professionally just means taking into account that there is somebody on the other side of the screen who's going to be reading these reports, 
And you can get your main point across while also ensuring that you are respectful, that you're calm, um, and just not going on a rant during these forms. Okay, so you mentioned uh, that the responses have the feedback bias. So how do these hateful bias responses affect professors? Yeah, so basically professors are humans too, um, whether we realize it or not. And these hateful responses can usually lead to things like job dissatisfaction or like emotional exhaustion and stress. Do you think professors actually change the way the course is conducted based off student feedback? Yeah, I definitely think to an extent, um, if you have a class that's a writing intensive course and your feedback form, you say there was too much writing, obviously there's not gonna be a change made there because it is a writing intensive course. However, I have spoken with professors who talked about having their syllabus out in front of them And while reading the feedback forms, they would take notes on what reading students did like or what they didn't like, the ways that students felt the class could have improved, and they changed their syllabus based on those forms. In my experience, I don't know about your experience, but teachers seem to set aside a little bit of time for these forms to be filled out during class. Do you think this helps produce more genuine responses, or do you think um, students still just fill them out just to get them over with? Yeah, I think that when professors leave the room and they give you time to fill it out, it shows that they care about the responses. It shows that, hey, like I'm giving you the time to do this in my class because I know you may not have the time to do it at home. And I think that when students see that, they think to themselves, oh, like this professor does care what I have to say. Like maybe I should take the time to do this. So lastly, have you filled out your student feedback form yet for this semester? Yes, of course I have. Thank you so much, Julia. Of course. Thank you for having me, Olivia. Thank you so much to our reporters, Fallon and Julia, for joining us. You can find the articles in yesterday's print issue of The Temple News and on our online site at temple-news.com. Be sure to check out the podcast on Spotify and the Temple News website. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Olivia Hall, and see you next time on Reprint.